fucking needed this shit. Yeah. Excited to talk some freaking, <laughs> some freaking elves and dwarves and trolls and hobbitses and all that fun stuff. Oh man, all the good stuff. All my favorites. All the favorites. All the favorites. So, hey everybody. Welcome to Next Two Nerds. My name is Amy and I fear neither death nor pain. <laughs> and my name is Shannon and I'm coming to you from Bag End, Bagshot Row, Hobbiton, West Farthing, the Shire, Middle Earth. Oh, if only, if only we were actually in the Shire right now. If only, my oh. dude. <laughs> oh, good place to be. That's all I ever want. I know. Oh man, that that little ho- even when I was a kid, when you see like the Shire for the first time, or or you read about the Shire, for- I feel like seeing it for the first time, the way that they made it was like, oh, I want to live there. <laughs> it it was immediately just like everything I had ever wanted in a home ever. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. We get to do Lord of the Rings today. Yes, I'm so excited. Like, my favorite thing in the entire world. I'm I'm very hyped. It's going to be a fun thing to talk about because, oh, Lord of the Rings is just like the. It it really kind of kickstarted the entirety of of nerd culture as we know it today from, from, you know, Tolkien back in the day writing them and to that kind of surge of it in the early 2000s. Of it kind yeah. of, yeah, becoming like an actual thing again. Uh, it, it it was kind of like the, the progenitor of the the incoming zeitgeist of nerd culture. It, it just exploded after that. I feel like that was a big, that was a big progenitor to all the crazy nerd stuff that we got. Yeah, it was a big moment. And it was super satisfying as someone who's always been super into the books. Like, I... Lord of the Rings and, and Tolkien and all of his, his lore and his world building, he's probably the single biggest influence on me as a person. Aw. Yeah, <laughs> I know how, how the previous week where you were saying that um, I'm, your, I'm your Sherlock Holmes friend, you are definitely like 110% my Lord of the Rings friend. Like. <laughs> oh, yay! I, I love that association. I love that. That's great. It's a good association. Yeah, definitely. For real. But yeah, if, I ever, if I'm ever like ever curious about something that I'm, I'm not sure about with Lord of the Rings. I'm like, Shannon probably knows the answer to this. <laughs> I am a, I am a font of Tolkien knowledge. <laughs> you really are. You really are. I mean, you have that quiz book, so. <laughs> oh, man. I can't even. So much cool stuff. Yeah. Oh, man. So what else did you do this week other than absorbing all of the Lord of the Rings content that you possibly could? Um, honestly, like my big, my big happy thing for the week was rewatching the extended editions Mm. of the movies, um, particularly Fellowship. I just, it's such a strong introduction to this whole world and every single character that we meet, you immediately know who they are. Right. Like Peter Jackson did such a good fucking job of like, this is who they are. This is what they do. This is what you can expect. Like. I don't know how he did it, but, like... Everyone who wrote and was a part of those Lord of the Rings movies, you can just tell it was just coming from such a place of love and respect and, like, joy that they were going to be making these movies. Like, he and his wife just have such an innate sense of who these characters are at their core, and they're able to convey that. Oh, man, Fellowship is is definitely one of my favorite movies. Well, just, like, (laughs) the... One of my favorite moments is... You know, you meet Gandalf, and he shows up, and you're like, oh, cool, friendly grandpa wizard bringing the fireworks, and oh, he likes the party. What a cool guy. And then there's that moment when Bilbo wants to keep the ring, and he just, like, 
looms and becomes larger than life and just do not take me for some conjurer of cheap tricks and it's like in that moment you see you see the maya you see this powerful otherworldly being and you're like oh shit do not fuck with gandalf yeah man (laughs) you do you totally forget that gandalf is like that the wizards in this universe are not just people who do magic they are their own race they are their own being they are like super powerful dudes like yeah yeah they're it it as, with him and radagast especially it's so easy to forget that they are you know an entire other other being they don't even belong here like they came here to help because they are more than and just that moment, like, always, always kills me. Like, he may look like a dirty hobo wizard, but don't fuck with him. <laughs> he, he may smoke a lot of the fantasy pot, but he can, he can do some shit. Right, right. <laughs> and, like, when you meet Aragorn in the, the Prancing Pony, mm. like, it just, he's immediately cool and badass, and he's like, um, yeah, you're not afraid enough. You better get scared, motherfuckers, because shit's real. But no, I love it. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good, and just every all the casting like every person is perfect and there's there's this one quote that always sticks with me and every time I hear it I just I get like a smile in my heart because I'm a hobbit like we both know I'm a hobbit yeah yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> and Bilbo has this great quote and he said where our hearts truly lie are in peace and quiet and good tilled earth for all hobbits share a love of things that grow and yes, no doubt to others, our ways seem quaint, but today of all days, it is brought home to me that it is no bad thing to celebrate a simple life. Oh. And it's just like, yes, Bilbo, yes. I know, he's a good boy. Like, that's all I want. I want my little hole and my books and my good food and my hearth. I know. Like, and my garden, that's all I need. Oh, I... Keep the Sackville Bagginses out and Keep let me those... be... I mean, that's actually what Bobby and I call our shitty neighbors. Sackville Bagginses. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Like every, every time they're like arguing in the street or like, you know, being fucking loud at like two in the morning, we're like fucking Sackville Bagginses, motherfuckers. (laughs) Oh, that's great. That makes me happy. I'm so glad to hear that. (laughs) That's so good. How about you? What was your uh, what was your your happy fun times for this week? I mean, yeah, rewatching rewatching the movies was, was yeah. Because I wanted to go back and because I have very fond memories of my childhood of playing the old PS2 Lord of the Rings games. Um, yes, but um, I think my sister must have them because they are not in in my. I checked through my stuff, so I was a little bummed out, a little bit of a sad. Um, Sad. Kind of played with the idea of of possibly playing the um, the Lord of the Rings MMO, but just never decided to do it. <laughs> it's always it's always a big decision to jump into another MMO. You have to be in the right space, <laughs> right? And it's like you know what I I've, I remember the graphics, and I even like I went and looked at on the Steam page just to see if there had been any kind of update in the past you know years and years since it's been out. <laughs> no, no de-wonkifying patch for that <laughs> no no i wouldn't i was like you know what mm, maybe we'll pass yeah but that might be for the best <laughs> yeah i think i think so but yeah man and and re-watching the movies kind of did bring to me this like reason of why i love 
all of the effects I'm like because I'm a big I'm a big effects person both like traditional effects and doing you know yeah CGI yeah. stuff and everything in this movie it's it's like 20 years old and everything holds up pretty freaking well yeah like there's not a lot of moments where you watch it and you're like Ew. right the only things that I feel like I can vi- like notice pretty much right away are anytime um any of the uh the structures that they've clearly had to put in there into the landscape because you know they obviously don't have these buildings in New Zealand but right right that's that's really like the only time it's like freaking Gollum looks great oh fuck yeah like just totally like visionary motion capture stuff with that like unreal yeah like that was at the forefront of that technology and they just they freaking owned it man they really did well, like, Andy Serkis was the first actor to win an award for his motion capture performance. Like, that's fucking wild. Yeah, and the, the whole that he was going into this not knowing if he was just going to be a voice or, or what right. they were going to do. Like, that's right. pretty... I actually, um, I was just re-watching the, that whole scene where, um, you know, Gollum is having the argument with himself. It's that argument between oh Smeagol and Gollum. And the freaking, the Balrog oh, is still really yes. good looking. Like shit. Yes. Like fucking Baron's Bane. Yes. Oh, and it's like it's it's. I think because they realized that they didn't have to go all in on a bunch of super specific details. It is a creature of shadow and flame. So they were like, let's do that. <laughs> Which is so awesome, you know. Like I just, I that's one thing I really love about a lot of Tolkien stuff. Like, because when you're when you're reading it for the first time, like I read it when I was younger, and it's before you see the movies, so you can picture anything like that's so cool right like even if because i'm you whereas you read the books previous to watching the movies um i had the the movies were my first introduction into the lord of the rings stuff i was like i want to say i was like 12 or 13 when when they came out so it probably would have been the time that if you know the movies hadn't come out i would be getting into reading Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that's that's like that's about the right age for sure. Yeah. So like to have those movies to start with, I was like, oh okay, yeah, this is that's good, so awesome. This is the good shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is that such good a good shit. introduction. Yeah, man. Like we were very lucky to have because man, sometimes you know, especially thank goodness that Peter Jackson and all the people who worked on this movie were people who genuinely like cared about the source material. They have such an affection for it, yeah. And I think it really, I think it it bodes well for the franchise itself that Peter Jackson had such a weird, humble start, like Bad Taste and Dead Alive, you know? Like, yeah, like the like, campy horror man. <laughs> for sure. And like the fucking Frighteners, like, he he makes good movies no matter what, so. he's a, He's a cool dude. Oh, such a good bean. He's a very such a good bean. He's a very, very, very good bean. I agree, but yeah, man, those movies just—I—I—I I, I hadn't watched them for a while, so I was like, "Oh man, I needed—I needed this." <laughs> for sure, like you hear the opening credits music, and you're just like, "Oh my god, I'm ready! I'm uh, fucking ready!" Like fucking Howard Shore, <laughs> man, just so good. How dare you? So good. How dare you? Yeah, do this to I, me. <laughs> unreal, unreal. How good he is, like the soundtrack is so evocative and it's just it's so on point like it is the sound of middle earth and i can't you know like the shire it it is the shire and you know the rohan theme is is you know 
Uh, it is. It is the most beautiful horse lord theme ever. I, I well up just thinking about it. Like that music just like it gets in you. Just it blooms from your heart out to your limbs. I like it, it, it's unreal how good it is. It's so good. Like just all, all the forces of good in the universe converged to create those films. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I know we've been like waxing incredibly, you know, wonderfully about how much we love everything about Lord of the Rings and Tolkien, but we got to talk about stuff that we don't like. So I'm really interested in where you went with this, Shannon, because I had to rack my brain so hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it it took a while for me to kind of settle on someone, and I kind of hemmed and hawed over it because there's a lot of characters that even though they're not necessarily good, like, they're a crux of the story, and they're very important, and I get it. Right. Um, so after a lot of deliberation, I decided on the film version of Denethor, portrayed by John Noble, who's fucking brilliant. That's a good one. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, I'm sure everyone knows he's the steward of Gondor and the father to Boromir and Faramir. Mm-hmm. Um, he's such a dick in the movie. He's such a mm-hmm. fucking dick. Like, he... <laughs> He's not a king, but he wishes he were a king. And he's so mad that he's not a king. And it's just, you can, there's just like this gently seething rage and dissatisfaction under his little fucking cloak. Like you can just, it's palpable. When you see him in the scene, you can, you can taste his dissatisfaction. (laughs) It is the ultimate, like this person in power in a time of crisis who is just interested in themselves gaining more power and not in actually fixing the crisis. And it just makes you angry. It really, really does. And like, he does all of these like shitty, like he orders Faramir to go and defend the river crossing where he's wounded, seemingly mortally, but then when Faramir is brought back, he's like, let's just fucking burn him. I'm real sad about the son I liked more to try and save him. We're just going to fucking burn him. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? Like, y- no. Hi. Still your son. Also, arguably, your better son who resisted the thrall of the ring. Yeah. You know? Um, Like, I love Boromir, and I think he's a great character. But Faramir is a stronger character. Oh, absolutely. Morally. And I like, mean, he is the person who gets to end up with Eowyn, so he is just better human. Yeah. Womp womp. womp GTs. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> Denethor accepts Pippin's heartfelt oath of fealty with mm. disinterest at best and derision and scorn at worst. I know. Like, Pippin's such a good boy. Like, he tries so hard and he's so earnest. And Denethor is just like, sing me a song, motherfucker. Yeah, I know, right? Like, And Pippin's like, I'm sad. My friends are dying. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to eat these tomatoes and you're going to sing for me. Oh, I know. I'm just, I'm thinking of that scene as you're saying it and it makes me feel things. (laughs) Bobby can't even watch it. Like Bobby will like, he he will like leave the room to get a snack, but like he physically can't sit through that scene because it's so awful to watch. Uh, It's Um, it's a big feeling. I mean, Denethor, he fails as a father, as a master, as a steward, and just a basic human being. Yeah. Yeah, he fails at pretty much everything. He he fails his people, he fails himself, he fails his kids. Like, And it, it was a deliberate choice by Peter Jackson to make him that way. Like, he he made the choice to make him so, so vis- visibly awful in the movie. Because in the books, he's not really like that. He's still not a great character. Like, he's not a good person. Right. But, like, in the books, Denethor lit the beacons before Gandalf got there. Um, whereas in the film... 
Gandalf has Pippin lighted. In the books, Denethor's cavalry rescues Faramir. Um, and in the films, his madness is attributed to, um, he's been using one of the, the Palantirs, the Seeing Stones, right. to try and spy on Sauron, but you can't fucking do that because Sauron's going to get you. So gonna Sauron, you. you know, so he's going to get you. Um, you know, so Sauron drives him mad. But in the films, it's much more attributed to his loss of Boromir and, you know, his inability to cope with losing the son he likes best. He's he's a callous, gluttonous narcissist. Where in the books, he's more just kind of sternly aesthetic. Yeah. Um, but either way, he's just a shitty bean. So fuck Denethor. Fuck him forever. Fuck Denethor. I, I like that that's what they did with a lot of characters in, in the book that were just kind of not really thoroughly fleshed out or, you know, didn't really have a place to kind of push yeah. the narrative along. Yeah. They, yeah. They did that with For Denethor. Sure. You know, they made Arwen a better character, which I think was important because she was just kind of like a face in the books. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely like that a lot. I agree. Like, I think all of the choices of deviation in The Fellowship, The Two Towers, and Return of the King were for the betterment of the, the story visually. So. Yeah. Absolutely. I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot. Oh, man. Because I'm, I'm, I'm mid-rewatching and um, I'm, I'm right after, you know, um. Theoden is, is re, you know, returned to himself, and he's a good boy. Well, it's almost like they're, like, they're the op- they're opposite sides of a coin. Like, right? Theoden is, he's what a leader should be. Like, he is a true king. Right. And Denethor is a bullshit faker. Like <laughs> Right, like, they all went through the same hardships. They both lost a son. They both, you know, have their kingdom under siege and you know exactly they both go two different routes and it, it, it does it works into showing their character as people and absolutely know. absolutely yeah oh that's a good thing to think about thanks yeah denethor he sucks but it's good to bring him up thanks for that hey no no problem that's what i'm here for that was awesome that was good that was a good one thanks dude how about you who are you hating on so so I don't know if how much you know this about me, Shannon, um, but I have this horrible, terrible, paralyzing fear of spiders. Yes, you are. You are the blathers in my life. I am the most blathers <laughs> human being that you will ever meet. I, I can't do it. Like, I understand the value and significance of insects, and, and I, I know a lot about them, and will say we need to protect the bees. But also, I'm, I'm terrified of insects, especially spiders. <laughs> I, realize, I totally, I understand. I totally get it. <laughs> I realize they are arachnids and not insects. Don't at me. But <laughs> any creepy, crawly, tiny thing just freaks me the fuck out and I can't do it. And then you get freaking giant half demon spider in uh, named yeah. Shelob. I can't, I can't. And I knew when I, at the minute I saw that freaking spider the first time in the theaters, I was like, nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Cannot. Please don't do this to me. Cannot do it. Peace oh. out, Middle Earth. Yeah, peace out, Mid- Middle Earth. I'm out of here. Smell you later. <laughs> and she, and it's like she is just a giant demon spider. They are like you know, terrifying creatures. The spiders in Lord of the Rings. They are just like oh, for sure. They are. They are. You know, like they they bring darkness and death and destruction like even the spiders of mirkwood like spiders yeah. are not friendly in lord of the rings no they're not good spiders are not good things that keep away mosquitoes and shit they're they're <laughs> they're going to get you they're, they're going to get you 
And not only, so not only is she, like, terrifying demon spider, but, like, I don't know how familiar you are with the, um, the more recent Middle Earth games, the Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of War games. I'm aware of their existence, but I've never played them. In, um, in Shadow of War, they make Shelob into all, a spider, she's, she's still her spider self, but she's also a sexy lady. What? What? Yeah. I'm confused as heck by why they did that. They, they they basically said she is not she is like not only this terrifying spider but she's this you know architect of, of like doing bad things and and trying to tempt people and and it's very it's very weird it's very weird to see her as that figure in in the shadow of war games it's 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 strange she has like Celebrimbor's ring for some reason oh okay well yeah that's great it's it's yeah that's a good thing that's what you want to give I just, I don't understand why you would make her a sexy spider. That's very odd to me. Right? It, it, it just, it, it, I get that they wanted, because they wanted, you know, it, it's it, that period of games being, you know, any any game that's come out in the past 10 years has to have, like, a, you know, sexy female antagonist, apparently, but... I guess. I guess so. <laughs> I think it might have had to do with a lot of, um, I forget which Dark Souls game has the, the one spider lady. She's, like, half lady half spider that could have been yeah there's there's uh stuff like that in the neverwinter mmo too like i forget i forget what the race is called but there's like these sexy demony spidey people like like who's i I don't know i don't know i don't know certainly not mine (laughs) i mean it's definitely not mine if that's your jam like cool but i'm good you know more power to you but but dang i'm not not a fan of spiders. <laughs> yeah, I I feel you, dude. Don't worry. I will I will keep you safe from all the spiders. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> and ugh, Sauron's like that's like my cat, and and that's like my pet, and <laughs> I I can't I can't. That's that's the only negative character that I can think of in the Lord of the Rings series that I'm I was just like I can't stand anything about it. I feel you. I totally understand. I 100% get you. Thank you. <laughs> I support your choices. Thank you for supporting my choices. But yeah, so it was either it was either going to be that or the way that Arwen was kind of written in the original books. But, you know, I can't be too mad about that because they, they kind of did her good in the... Uh, yeah, yeah. In the more recent stuff. But yeah. So yeah, fuck Shelob. Fuck Denethor. God, the worst. <laughs> They're bad. <laughs> bad beans and we don't like them i'm glad we found something negative to talk about (laughs) exercised our our lord of the rings demons you know as as few and far between as as they may be yeah get rid of them (laughs) oh my goodness so it's it's crush of the week time so oh boy i know oh boy indeed shannon i think i want you to go first on this because um i do have um i i have two just in case we picked the same person Okay. Who who is your Lord of the Rings themed crush for the week? You got it. Um, so I honestly I didn't have to think too hard on this. Mm-hmm. Um, my my heart has always really been in one place as far as Lord of the Rings is concerned, and that place is Samwise Gamgee. Yay! <laughs> oh, that's good. He's played in the films by Sean Astin, who does such an amazing job. In in my opinion, Sam is the real hero of the story. Without Sam, Frodo never would have made it. Absolutely not, no. In in the books, he's described as both physically and emotionally strong for his size. 
He pushes Frodo to go on when Frodo feels like he simply can't, even actually physically carrying him when he's too weak to move. Oh, that's right. Like, he just he just picks him up and he's like, we're fucking going. Yep. Like, don't, don't worry, dude, I got you. Um, he's also the only character of the Fellowship to act as a ring bearer for a short time. Yeah. And he's so fucking good and pure that he willingly gives it back to Frodo without a real thought. Yeah. Like, I just carried this because you got captured by orcs. Here you go. You can have it back. Let's go destroy it. Right? Like. I know. He maintains his excitement, even in the most dire situations. Like, he's excited to meet the elves. He's excited to see the oliphants. He's excited to meet the eagles. Like, he never loses his sense of wonder at the beauty and mystery of Middle Earth. He's still like, wow, this is an adventure that we're having. Even though it's really hard and I'm scared. There's still a lot of cool stuff to see, and I'm glad I'm seeing it. Yeah. Like, that sort of indomitable spirit is just so, oh, like, it just, it gets me right in the feels, because I don't know that I would have the strength to be that kind of person and to, to go through those trials and still be able to be like, oh, wow, that's still pretty fucking cool. Like, like I feel like a lot of us would, would you know, if we were going to put ourselves in the shoes of either of the two of them, you know, um, Frodo or Sam, a lot of us would, would probably lean towards understanding Frodo a lot more because he's just like, I'm so fucking done with this shit. Half, you know, like, obviously. So. He's just sick and he's tired and he's scared and he's done. And I understand that attitude because I've, you know, I've been there in right. life. But, like, with Sam, he's just so certain that they're going to do what they set out to do and they're going to get back home because they have to. Like, there's never a doubt in his mind. He's just like, we're going to do this. Yeah. And it's, he just, he makes my, my feels go crazy. He, he does so nice. much badass shit too. Like, he rescues Frodo from, like, the orcs. He fights Shelob. He fights your crazy spider. He keeps you safe, Amy. He does. He keeps me <laughs> safe from the spider. What a good boy. He doesn't, he's not afraid of that spider. Not even a little bit. He's just like, I'm gonna fuck you up. You messed up my friend. Here we go. Yeah. Like, <laughs> anytime they um, mess up Frodo, anytime anyone is touches Frodo, he's just like immediately like sword out, like, let's go, bitch. I'm ready. Right. Like in the Prancing Pony, he rushes into the room with fucking Strider, yeah. who is like two and a half times the size. And he's like, I'm gonna get you with this coat rack if you mess with my friend. Yeah. Like, no fear, no hesitation. Just into the fray because his friend needs him. Like... He's good. Damn, son. When he gets home after the war, he replants all of the trees um, felled by Soriman and his goons using the gift of Galadriel's garden earth and one seed of the elvish Malorn tree. He fixes the Shire. Like, like, what a good boy. He becomes mayor of the Shire and is elected for seven consecutive terms. That's pretty, that's pretty dang great. Mayor Sam. Mayor Sam. He marries, he marries Rosie. They yeah. have 13 teen kids Dang. holy shit Dang. that's a lot um <laughs> and when frodo departs with bilbo and gandalf for the undying land he entrusts sam with the care of bag end and the red book of Westmarch, which is just like super adorbs he's the quintessence of a good friend um he's actually based on tolkien's experiences in the first world war on the privates and batemen that he knew while he was serving Aww. um Tolkien admired heroism inspired by loyalty and love, but he despised arrogance and pride. And I feel like that really shows in Samwise. Absolutely, like, yeah. He's all of the goodness and all of the hope of Middle-earth. And um, he has my favorite quote. 
in the entire series, which I'm going to read. Oh, I know and it's I'm coming. I'm really ready. hard. I'm not fucking ready for it. I've I've been practicing. So. Okay, good. It's like the great stories, Mr. Frodo, full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it's only a passing shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come, and when the sun shines, it'll shine all the clearer. I know folks in these stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. They kept going because they were holding on to something. That there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. Oh, man. Oh. That's a... Just fucking, it kills me every time. Every time. Like It's such a, it's such a, he, you know, Tolkien, when he was writing all this shit, had to, you know, and obviously he lived through a world war. He, he lived through these kind of times and... Yeah, yeah. He was definitely writing in terms of, in, in a place where it was like, people are going to need to hear something like this at some point, and I'm going to write it down in my fantasy story, because, you know, that's, fantasy and real life are often very close to each other. It It's true, like that, and that is a quote that I return to time and time again, and it's always relevant, and it always makes me feel better. As long as there's good people trying to do good things and fighting for what's right there's hope and i think that's so important it really is it's a very it's a, the man the lord of the rings books if, if nothing else that you can get out of them get that there is always hope you know yeah it's like that that famous quote all the darkness in the world cannot extinguish the light of one candle yeah like it, it's fucking true but like i love you i love samwise i love him so much oh, wow. he is Everything good and everything wonderful. <laughs> he is. He is a very good boy. Ah, oh, that's a good one, Shannon. I didn't know where you were going to go. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of options. There's but a lot of options. I, I have a lot of love for a lot of characters, but I, Samwise is always just like the core of pretty much everything that I think of when I think of what I like in people. So, yeah, he's my boo. That's a good one. Thanks, dude. So how about you? Who who are you loving on? So I'm really glad we've, again, we haven't planned that we've kind of been alternating in between from like week to week of one of us picking a character and the other one picking like an actor. It's been really good. Oh, yay! <laughs> it's been like really good. So I'm real happy about that because um, I was like hemming and hawing and, and I really didn't know who I was going to do. And um, so I ended up, I ended up narrowing it down to two. And those two were Viggo Mortensen and Sean Bean. Yay! And then I went with Sean Bean, because I, I didn't know enough about Sean Bean, so I went with the scene Bean. Nice! He's a good dude. I'm so excited. I, and his, I'm so excited. His name was a, initially spelled, like, his when he was born, his birth name is S-H-A-U-N Bean. Oh, okay. But he actually changed it to the spelling of, you know, the Scottish spelling of S-E-A-N. Which That's I love. so funny. That's so cool. Whenever I think, whenever I see his name or like think of him, I'm like, oh, that's the scene bean. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. But uh, he's been in he's been in so many things, and to, from his like early life, he has a very I think a very relatable like early life in terms of yeah being good in school and and being born to a kind of like working class family, but you know having to do a lot of you know, working in grocery stores and working, you know, for his father and, and not, you know, 
having a having a time kind of getting to a point where he was an actor. Oh, I think that makes a difference too. That kind of gives you a different appreciation for the way that the world works. Right? Like he can do a variety of different things. He knows how to weld. Hell yeah. Hells to the yeah. He he's like he's took art classes when he was in school. He's an artist too. That's awesome. He's, he does he does fucking everything. He's a he's a man of many traits. That's fucking cool. I didn't know that. Many traits and talents. And um <laughs> you know, like everybody from really anybody who wasn't a child when those Lord of the Rings movies came out, like all of the other actors in it came from doing some Shakespearean stuff because they're all yeah. British and good. <laughs> That's what you do. That is what you do. And I remember seeing him, one of his first, like, I feel like bigger things that he was in was, do you remember always seeing the, um, because again, we both worked at Barnes and Noble in the music department, um, when we would always see the cover for Sharp, that Napoleonic drama thing. Yeah, with his, with him and his little uniform, and it's just like the profile face shot. That was originally supposed to be Paul McGann, and I didn't know that. No way! Yeah. Oh, that's rad. Apparently, Paul McGann, like, hurt his hurt himself somehow playing like playing football, and couldn't. <laughs> the most British thing ever. Paul. <laughs> so like it wasn't. It was supposed to be Paul McGann, and ended up being Sean Bean, which I was. Oh, like, that's wow, wild. Wow, that's crazy. That's but fucking cool. I I think it was. I I ended up choosing him because of. I mean, he is a fantastic Boromir. Uh, obviously he's so great yeah his his performance makes that character so incredibly likable when it could have very easily gone another way exactly and he was definitely not one of like when i was a kid if i had to put the order of people i was crushing on in that movie he wouldn't be near the top he wasn't like you know child amy was not so so refined as adult amy is (laughs) right right (laughs) but like he's not child-friendly crush. <laughs> no, absolutely not. But as an adult, and you see all of the... He, he just... The nuances that he puts into this character and the way he portrays it is just, like, brilliant. It, yeah, it. I, I 100% agree. It's, it's what he as an actor brings to that character that makes that character so iconic on film. And his final, his final speech to Aragorn as he's dying... Oh, where he's just saying, you know, I would have followed you, you know, I, my, you know, my captain, my king. And it's, I get emotional every time watching his it's, death. Yeah, it's so, and what a badass death scene, like. Right? Motherfucker. Like, Holy shit. shot, and you just expect him to go down. And the way he's, like, he just looks at the hobbits, he looks at Merry and Pippin and is like, I can't give up. And keeps getting up every single time. Oh, it, yeah, that whole scene is just so good. It Like, I cry every time. It gives me chills every time. Yeah. And it, largely to his performance, because he's unbelievable. And and it's funny, because um there, and a while back, there was a there was a hashtag going around that was like, don't kill Sean Bean because he dies in so many movies that he's in. <laughs> right, right. But he's real good at it. <laughs> he is very good at it, and he... He adds a certain nobility to every death that he's had on screen. <laughs> yeah, and he's kind of a rough and tumble, just looking kind of dude. So it's like you expect him to be that character. He kind of, I, I only know one story about real life Sean Bean. Is it the one where like somebody is bothering his girlfriend and he like punches him out? Um, 
someone was bothering his his girlfriend when they were in a pub and he didn't like his girlfriend being disrespected so he tried to get the guy to stop the guy wouldn't stop they got into a fight the guy stabbed him yes after getting stabbed sean bean knocks that fucker out and then asks the bartender for like a band-aid and another pint right like <laughs> what a badass <laughs> what the fuck and like he he's terrified of like planes and helicopters so like for the lord right. of the Rings stuff he would yes. just he would rather just march for miles in his full boromir gear with his shield and everything just fucking up the mountain with a sword like nope see y'all up there not I flying can do it. sorry <laughs> i'm good sean bean's good out here sean bean's good out here oh i want that on a t-shirt one I'll, oh. I'll do it one day i want to bring up something that i found online that's called um it was on it was it looks like it's from the the history channel the uk history channel it's 10 things you probably didn't know about sean bean Nice. Um, Sean Bean was considered for the role of John Smith in Disney's 1999 film Pocahontas, but lost him out to Mel Gibson. Dang. Right? What the fuck, Disney? Come on. <laughs> Mel Gibson. Um, this one I think I knew. He played baddie agent, uh, you know, uh, 006, Alec Trevelyan in GoldenEye, but he had auditioned for James Bond himself in uh, 1987's The Living Daylights. Oh, that's cool. He'd be a cool Bond. I feel like I feel like he would. He always auditions for like the good character, but always gets the bad guy character just because he's very yeah. Specific. He's a gruff yeah. looking boy. He's gruff. He's got them them squinty eyes and that Yorkshire accent. Yeah, he's trouble. Here, he's <laughs> trouble. Here's a fun one. While filming a fight scene for the 1992 film Patriot Games, co-star Harrison Ford accidentally caught Sean with a boat hook, resulting in eight stitches and a lasting scar above his eye. <laughs> Dunn got fucked up by Harrison Ford. Holy shit, that's, that's like the most grisly, like, like just fucking gristle old man shit. That's great. Right? I love that. That's great. <laughs> oh, and the real Scar was deliberately stressed with makeup in the in the Sharp TV series to add to the character's backstory. Oh, all right. Very cool. Sean Bean often receives fan mail intended for Rowan Atkinson's comedy character, Mr. Bean. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Two Mr. good Bean. beans, but not the same bean. Uh, very, <laughs> very different beans. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, okay, so here's the official stats on his, uh, on his deaths and things. Um, so the idea that Bean dies on screen more than other actors has become so prevalent that some people have actually gone through the films and done the math. According to Nerdist.com, Sean Bean is actually fourth in line for the title of most on-screen deaths behind John Hurt, 42. Bella oh, Lugo shit. 40, I know, right? I have to see what he's died in. <laughs> <laughs> Bella Lugosi, 36. Okay. And Vincent Price, 33. You know what? That all tracks. Those old school horror blokes died a lot. They did die a lot. Sean Bean yeah. has 25 on screen deaths. Still a lot. Still a lot of deaths. Still a lot, yeah. And this last one is a good one because any story involving Nick Cage is always going to be a good story. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> in always. A, in a 2014 online Ask Me Anything session, uh, Sean revealed the following bizarre story. I went back to Nick Cage's house and we'd had a few drinks. We were playing pool and he accidentally knocked over his prehistoric cave bear skull and smashed it. 
and he was really upset about it. And the next day, we went and buried it in a field. <laughs> what the fuck? I know. <laughs> I'm not, I, I can't even be surprised because it's Nick Cage. Like, everything that would be wild about anyone else is totally just like, you know, normal, normal shit for Nick Cage. That's wild. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, Sean Bean, and he was in the uh, the Silent Hill movies too, which I I didn't think were bad. Oh, that's right. They weren't bad. I no. mean, as far as, because it's not, I don't want to, like, I love the Silent Hill games, but it's not like there's a lot of substance there to make a whole film out of. So they did an okay job. Right. They're more just, you know, experiences in, in horror. And they did a pretty good job making him, like, you know, a her- very Harry Mason kind of character, which was Yeah, good. no, it was, they were cool. They were fun to watch. Yeah. Again, he dies in that movie, too. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very, very, very horribly. But, um, but, yeah, the last one I want to go with is, um, so bringing it back to your buddy Sean Bean, um... They always, they, people kind of refer to him as seeming, like, kind of shy and reserved at first when they when they kind of first meet him. Yeah. But he can just snap in and out of his characters pretty, like, like on the on the button. And, That's uh, so cool. I guess the ability to do that, when it's, Sean Astin said he was, like, amazed that he could do that, you know, when he was first filming with the Fellowship of the Ring, which I imagine kind of, like, really sits with you when you're, like, that young and this, you know, big important actor who... You know, right. A minute as ago, as a young you actor, were, you know. A, a minute ago, you were shooting in the face in the GoldenEye and sixty four game, and now you're <laughs> right, right. And him. now, that's so cool. But yeah, he's he's done a lot of cool stuff, and just seems like the chillest dude. He's um Martin Septim in the Elder School Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Oh fuck, that's right. Always forget that, and um, always forget that. He replaced the uh, late great Leonard Nimoy to uh, do the um civilization not narration bits but like when you get different uh you know like when you unlock building or archaeology or whatever yeah new resources and shit yeah he he now it used to be a uh, leonard nimoy and then after leonard nimoy passed away it was sean bean and he does a good job that's rad he does a and good he's job. my boy ned stark of course we cannot forget ned stark he and he like knocks it out of the park with ned stark like fucking unreal with that shit yeah yeah yeah, good stuff. It definitely says something about him that he, yes, he dies a lot in films. He plays characters that, that die a lot, but it's just, he can portray so much in such a short amount of time on screen. It, I think it really says a lot to who he is as an actor. Not many. He's so good. He's so incredibly emotive. I just, I fucking love him. Yeah, I love him. He's great. And, I, and so Sean Bean, crush of the week, Sean Bean. Good Bean. He's a good Bean. Oh boy, oh boy, it's D&D time. Oh boy, oh boy. Oh boy, oh boy, I'm very excited for D&D time. Um, my favorite. I, I bet you cannot guess who I did for, for my D&Ds. I, I don't know, it could go a lot of ways, so I'm very curious to see who you pick. So, I picked the Lady of the Woods, Galadriel. Yeah. So excited. I was like, who am I gonna, I, I, I wanted to do something that, a do a an archetype that I really haven't done on this on this podcast before, and B just kind of like someone who I wouldn't have thought originally to make a D and D character of. Yeah, and like Galadriel is is a freaking kick ass. Super, she's amazing. I love her. I love her character, yeah. and and freaking I I mean, Kate Blanchett just did like. She's just, she's an, she's an ethereal goddess. Like, I don't think she's an actual person. I think she's 
you know. No, I, I, don't, I don't think so. <laughs> she's some sort of, you know, ethereal other that yeah. has graced us with her presence. <laughs> yeah, because uh, just rewatching yeah. all that stuff was like, dang, girl, you're perfect. Awesome. So awesome. Oh, I'm hyped on this. I can't wait to see what yeah. you did. So, uh, I mean, it's it's great because um, I, I, I went in to go in to pick race and... I was originally like, okay, this is obviously going to be like a high elf, wood elf situation. But then I realized that there are, um, uh, what the hell is the name of them? Eladrin. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Eladrin elves are like the most elf-y of the elf race in D&D. They are the, you know, they are pretty much like from the Feywild, like directly. Yeah. Which fits because, you know, Galadriel is, is one of the original elves. You know, she is, um... You know, exiled from the lands of exactly. She is, you know, she is a keeper of a ring of power. She is, you know, she is, she has been to. She was in, you know, the um. Oh God, my my brain can't. She was born in the West. She and she came out to, you know, Middle Earth. She yeah. She she came from Valinor with the exiles. Yes, Valinor is the word that I'm working for. <laughs> I got you, boo. Thanks, I got boo. you. Thanks, boo. <laughs> So, and yeah, so she's lived through, you know, the, all of the ages. She's lived through the three ages. She's seen all this shit. It, it kind of yes. fits that she's <laughs> one of the, the if we're going to make her an elf, let's make her the full elf. They also the get the elfiest elf. The elfiest of elves. <laughs> they also get that really cool ability called Fae Step, which is um, a once per long rest, you can just use Misty Step, which is the, you know, you can teleport you oh yeah 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 that's rad but um i decided to make her a sorcerer oh very nice yeah there's this really cool in the um again the unearthed arcana there is a really cool um origin called psionic soul okay the psionic stuff is, is is really interesting and it's great because it kind of relates all of their powers into an energy within yourself that you know is represented in different ways whereas other you know if you play a sorcerer you know you're either a wild magic or you're a dragon blood dragonborn kind of you know your power right. has to come from somewhere kind of thing but the uh the psionic yes. soul stuff is nice because it's basically saying that there was some kind of incident in your life and that it's come from the Feywild, which works nice yeah that's awesome yeah, and they get really cool talents. They get, like, telepathic speech, which is great. Nice. And they get psychic sorcery. You can roll uh, your psionic talent die, and if you roll well on it, you don't have to, like, use any verbal or somatic components to cast spells, which is great. Oh, that's dope. I think that works really well for her, too, because she just kind of looks and things happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, she, she is... Uh very powerful and she doesn't really need anything to help her accomplish what she's doing exactly and they i i gave her two i gave her the telepathic feat because it's it's just nice to have because she can just speak to people whenever the fuck she wants and it's you know yeah that's awesome well and that tracks too because like there's that whole scene where she's you know talking to frodo by the the fountain and that's pretty much what's happening. Right. Like. They're, just, they're just speaking through their minds. And she's able yeah. to just say things to everyone in the Fellowship's mind. Because yeah. she can. Yeah. I like that a lot. freaking powerful. Yeah. And um, 
gosh, what else do we have in the Psionic? It's nice to have, I feel like the sorcerer abilities are a little bit more, I was, I was debating on just making her like a divination kind of wizard, but it, wizards rely on books and rely on a, an actual like learning and obtaining of the knowledge where it feels right. like it's just something that comes out of her and she doesn't choose to have this power. It's just her power now because of- Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I also um, thought it would be really cool to give her, you know, a haunted one background because I feel like that relates to not only her, you know, being exiled from Valmar, but um, to having a ring of power. I feel like that is a very, you know... Absolutely, because she knows what that burden is. Yeah, exactly. For sure, yeah. And and just and the description of the background feature for haunted one is you know those who look into your eyes can see that you have faced unimaginable horror and that you are no stranger to darkness though they might not fear you commoners will extend a courtesy and it's it's a very like you know that same like when she gives her whole speech about when frodo offers her the ring and she does end up rejecting it but you know she's she will not be a dark and terrible lord she will be you know a beautiful beautiful and powerful all will love me and despair yes all will love me and despair (laughs) I love that <laughs> fucking phrase so much. It's so, so good. good. It's... And it's it's just, it, it feels like, it feels very haunted one. It feels very, you know, Absolutely. I, I, I have this evil within me. And as much as I want to do these things for good and to do these things from a good place, you know, I, I know that this evil is within me. And Yeah, that tracks. For and sure. I think this, uh, with the psionic soul sorcerer, um, yeah, obviously uh, intelligence is a, is a key point but also charisma is a big one too absolutely nice. yeah and she is like yeah very deceptively charismatic which is nice well like Gimli hates everyone but he's immediately like whoa yeah <laughs> yeah exactly it, it, she immediately has this effect on people to command yeah. respect yeah absolutely and they get psychic aura too which is which is nice because you can kind of um yeah, it's basically you just magically radiating this this thirty foot aura, and you can just unleash your psionic power. And it, it, it's basically all of this psionic stuff in this in this weird build. Instead of it relying on you know wherever your blood is from as a sorcerer, it's relying on you know your your mental faculties and your ability to control so much with your mind. And I feel like that kind of relates well to a, a creature who has been alive for such a long time. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, meet her a little psionic soul sorcerer. You could probably dip into some, you know, divination wizard if you wanted, you know, some of the more divination powers that she obviously has. But yeah, I thought. Yeah, that's awesome. Thought it was kind of a fun one. That's rad as hell. I like it, dude. Thanks. Who'd you pick? So I picked Treebeard. Yay! (laughs) I love me a tree boy. Oh, he's he's one of my fucking favorites. I love Treebeard so much. And he's such a cool, interesting character. Um, Gandalf calls Treebeard the oldest living thing that still walks beneath the sun upon this Middle Earth. That's pretty intense. So, like, Treebeard has seen everything. Um, so, for him, um, I found some really cool homebrew stuff. And there's a dryad race uh that i found nice and um for the race racial bonus you get plus two to wisdom um and then you get a 
a choice of sub race of either guardian or watcher. Um, and I went with watcher that gives you a dexterity plus one and you get this cool thing called nature whisperer where you are one with the forest and it speaks to you. You can communicate with beasts and plants through Sylvan. So perfect. Yeah. That kind of tracks. Um, You get bark skin, which is naturally occurring tough skin. And when you are unarmored, your AC is equal to 12 plus your dex modifier. Nice. Um, You get a thing called forest blend, where you have advantage on stealth checks to hide among foliage, trees, and other plant life. Perfect, yeah. Um, And then there's this cool thing called, well, I mean, it's a real thing, but in the game, uh, there's this cool thing called photosynthesis. And being a plant-based life form, you create your food through photosynthesis. Being in bright sunlight will regenerate hit points equal to your proficiency bonus at the end of each hour spent in the sun. Nice. Um, So you can kind of regenerate your own hit points as long as you're in the sun. Conversely, if you are in the darkness, like underground or in caverns, for a number of days equal to your proficiency bonus, your constitution um, will start to decay and you will take one level of exhaustion at the end of each long rest until back in the sun okay that's cool (laughs) yeah it's kind of weird like um you know it's like you wilt when you are not in the sun yeah um and for class i went with ranger because their primary abilities are dex and wisdom which already tracks with dryad build right um you get natural explorer which um means you're particularly familiar with one type of natural environment and are adept at traveling in such regions so forest obviously Yes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) At 10th level, you can hide in plain sight uh, because you can camouflage yourself with mud, dirt, plants, soot, and other naturally occurring material. So I feel like that that totally works. (laughs) Um, Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, that's their whole fucking jam. Like, can't see me? I'm a fucking tree. Yeah. I went with the folk hero background because he's the oldest living thing in Middle Earth. Oh, yeah. Um... And I gave him a proficiency in history because he's so old. He's so old. Um, he everything. He's an old boy. <laughs> um, and for traits, I picked, I work the land, I love the land, I will protect the land. And then just for funsies, I wish my childhood sweetheart had come to me to pursue my destiny. Because they lost the entwives, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> no entwives. Oh, that's so sad. Maybe someday. That's so um, sad. And then there's there's like a little bit at the end where like possibly they might find them but it's never really resolved so they might be alone for a while but yeah what are you gonna do you know um, right. and then for alignment i picked true neutral um yeah i feel like there is no more true neutral character than tree beard yeah. like he he stays in fangorn just tending to the trees and taking no part in the affairs of men and elves and wizards, it's only when he meets and finally trusts Marion Pippin and learns that Saruman is cutting down trees, then he gets fucking angry. And then they have the last march of the end. Yeah, he like so, he didn't he didn't give a shit until that moment. Didn't give a fuck until yeah. that very moment. And he like he saw the carnage and was like, These are my friends, these are my family, now we act. Right. And exactly. he's got that um that quote because like um the hobbits meet him and they're like whose side are you on he's like side Mm. i am on no one's side because no one is on my side right so i mean (laughs) fair it's it's a good quote and i get it because he he's seen some shit and nobody really cares about the tree yeah it's true yeah so i did me 
a tree beard, a uh, a dryad ranger. Dryad ranger Truman tree beard. Man, yeah. alignment is tough with Tolkien stuff because I really, I, I still don't really know where I'd put a Galadriel. I, I feel like, I feel like I want to make her a chaotic neutral. I don't think she's like technically a good, you know? She's not a good. She's definitely not a good, um, but she's not a bad either. No. So I feel like a lot of the elves would, would be neutral alignment because yeah. they're so separate from the other races a lot of which has to do with the way that they live and a lot of has to do with their lifespan. So, right. Like they're just kind of there as the keepers of the, you know, the, of just their space and doing their thing. They don't really, they, they, they really don't care for the affairs of the, the other living creatures there because they feel so distanced from them. Yeah. Not so much. I mean, the majority of them were either exiles or sent to keep an eye on shit. So, right. They're, they're like security of, guards. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they're just kind of doing their job. So they're not they're not supposed to meddle. They're just supposed to observe. The alignment's rough for a lot of characters. I yeah, I figure like chaotic <laughs> neutral for a Galadriel, just because she she does do stuff just kind of on a whim a lot of the time. Yes, definitely. A, for a sure. lot of her younger life is her being kind of prideful and a little bit more. You know, like she was obviously beautiful. She's you know been one of the most you know been called you know one of the most beautiful freaking creatures you know in that world yeah and she's very much she acts for her own whim and delight she she basically like started a war because she didn't want to give an elf dude one strand of her hair yeah yeah one strand goes and gives Gimli three (laughs) Gimli Gimli's worthy so he gets three strands but you know Fucking an age ago, I started an entire war. <laughs> because, you know, for fun. No, no, for funsies, because I didn't feel like it. Exactly. You gotta keep. You do what you gotta do, girl. Yeah, she's a neutral for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Glad we agree on that. Yeah. A lot of neutrals. <laughs> a lot of neutrals in Tolkien Town. A lot of neutrals. Yeah. All hobbits are good, though. You know. Oh yeah. Just like and all dogs I... are good, all hobbits are good. Absolutely. Like, and I think that's very deliberate because with Tolkien's love of his pastoral home and his love of nature. Like, I think he wanted to make them a shining example of what people should be like. Right. Yeah. It's very sweet. That's just the way it is. They just do their thing. They are good people taking care of themselves, living their lives. And that's it. You know, that's pretty admirable. Yeah, it is. And even like, you know, Treebeard doesn't know what a hobbit is when he first runs into them. That says something. (laughs) He has no idea. Like, he didn't even know what the Shire is. He asks Merry and Pippin, he's like, oh, if you see the Entwives in the Shire, maybe let me know. Like, (laughs) you know, send me a message. Keep keep your peepers peeled, boys. (laughs) (laughs) Ask them if they're on Tinder, please. Oh, that's an unintentional pot. Oh, I didn't mean it. <laughs> oh, I love it. I oh, love no. it. <laughs> Beans. We got some fun little quips from our, our friends, our friendos, Shannon, because I'm not, a, I can't physically go on the internet on more than one device or my entire yeah. internet will explode. So I'm going to share um, a couple of people's memories first, and then we'll do the two questions that I'm very excited about. Yes. Um, so our friend Colin on Twitter said that his first memory of Lord of the Rings was constantly taking out the Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Rings animated movie from the library. I loved that movie. The animation was great. 
they portrayed the orcs and the ring race, and it was creepy as fuck. <laughs> yeah, that, that movie is, those are some, that animated movie is just, yeah, creepy as fuck. Yeah, that, that's some stuff right there. Yeah, that was, that was some creepy times. There was that one, and then um, the, uh, the Rankin and Bass Hobbit, yeah. which was pretty fucking wild, too. Like, that shit was crazy. Yeah. Oof. 70s animation, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> uh, and then... My friend Rachel left this really lovely one. Um, I wish I had the emotional capacity to share all of my beautiful Lord of the Rings baggage with you. It was so important to me after my dad died. I don't know how I would have gotten through that first year without him if I hadn't had my daily extended editions on repeat. Oh, that's so sweet. So sweet. I'm so thankful she shared that with us. Yeah, it's it's nice to be able to, I, I mean, to, it's unfortunate that it has to have such a, you know, an emotional place in, in that sense, but it's nice to be able to have that too. To find you know. comfort. Yeah, for sure. And uh, then our, our friend Josh on Twitter said, I found The Hobbit in fourth grade, continued immediately into Lord of the Rings and the Fit. I read and loved The Silmarillion. Uh, Team Gimli, though Boromir is my favorite. <laughs> I, I agree with both of those i'm good i'm good with that yeah absolutely. absolutely the moment the moment in um at least in the movie when they run into the rohirrim of rohirrim after you know they've uh you know while, while they're still looking for mary and pippin mm-hmm. and gimli's being his sassy good boy self sassy gimli and and amor's like i will f- cut your head off if it wasn't so you know if you weren't so short basically and just legolas immediately drawing his bow on him like how dare you Say that to my friend. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, their friendship is fucking great, and Gimli is excellent. I know John Reese Davies is fucking brilliant as Gimli. He's he's like the he's the best. He's a good boy. Such a good egg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and that brings us to our first question, which I'm so fucking excited about, and I'm so happy that someone asked it because this is one of my very favorite things. Mm-hmm. Um. So my buddy Ben Dewey said. I know this is something I should know, but why don't the eagles help more earlier? It's not their job, but they seem to care sometimes. I seek your wisdom. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm re- in that same boat because, I, again, you are my Lord of the Rings friend, so I'm excited to hear your thoughts on this. But I've always been like, yeah, I understand that they're not as in touch and, and that you know they're very fickle and that they just kind of do what they want to unless they have a really big reason to. But, like... Gandalf called in a favor once. Katie, Katie, couldn't he have done that, you know, earlier? It's it's totally, it's like, it's one of my favorite things about the Lord of the Rings verse. And it's it's something that I don't feel was, I know that they couldn't put everything in the movies, but it's definitely something that suffered um, in people's understanding of the eagle place in Middle-earth. Um, because there's a lot more in in the books and in, you know, other other reading of the the lore of the world that kind of gives you a better understanding of where they stand. Um, so to answer this question, I'm going to have to give like a tiny history lesson. Do it. Um, <laughs> ready. So the Eagles were sent from Valinor to Middle Earth to keep an eye on the exiled Noldor, Morgoth, and later on Sauron. So they're watchers. They're sent from Valinor to keep an eye on shit, much like the elves mm-hmm. and, um, you know, the Maya as well. During the First Age, they fought alongside the Elves and the Adain, who were the fathers of men, uh, during the War of Wrath. So they did take part in the War of Wrath. Um, in the Second Age, the Eagles had an Eyrie in the King's House in the capital of Numenor until the King became hostile to the Velar and they had to leave because it wasn't safe. Long story short, 
the king of Numenor, Karen, he's under the sway of Sauron. The kingdom was subsequently destroyed by the supreme deity of the Arda, and it sinks under the great ocean. <laughs> Yay. The eagles tried to warn the people of Numenor that shit was going wrong before it was too late, but nobody listened to them. Um, so only a few of the Numenorian royal blood escaped, and they were led by Elendil and his two sons, Isidore and Anarian. And I think we all know how that turns out. <laughs> uh, fast forward to the Third Age. The eagles live in an eyrie east of the Misty Mountain. Uh, they help the elves of Rivendell and Radagast uh, keep an eye on the land and kind of gather news about the orcs and what's happening. They assist Bilbo and the dwarves during the events of The Hobbit, both in escaping from the Wargan goblins and then later in the Battle of the Five Armies. Right. And then before and during the War of the Ring, Gandalf is rescued by the Windlord of the Great Eagle, uh, once from the top of Isengard and then again from Xeroxigil, which is one of the peaks of the Misty Mountains, where Gandalf um, ends his fight with the Balrog. Oh, that's right. Um, they aid the troops and Aragorn at the Battle of the Black Gates, and then finally they rescue Frodo and Sam from Mount Doom after the destruction of the Ring. So technically they have been helping all along, um, much longer than most people in Middle-earth are aware of, probably with the exception of Radagast and Gandalf, right. Maya, and Lord Elrond. They've been around. Tolkien said on the idea of the eagles flying the One Ring to Mount Doom, because he was asked about it all the time. Of course. Um, he said, the eagles are a dangerous machine. I have used them sparingly, and that is the absolute limit of their credibility or usefulness. So that's kind of it. I mean, the eagles, they're a proud and noble race, they're not a taxi service, and to use them like one would be a complete disservice to them, and more, a disservice to the story, because stories are all about the journey. Right. So if you bring the eagles in to just, like, take the hobbits from the Shire to Mount Doom, it's there's really no point. They absolutely could have, but it's not really in their character to do so. They were essentially designed as watchers and they do a lot more than viewers of the film see. Right. So the eagles aren't dicks. They're just they're just not supposed to be there that much. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I I understand it better from that sense. I, I like the idea of you saying it's not it's not like they're a taxi service. It's not like, you know, this is in World of Warcraft and you go up to the, you know, you go up to right. the rider person right, and they're like right. I need to go for more Grimard. And... <laughs> right. And like, also like they're not a widely populated race. Like they're not as numerous as the race of men or even the race of elves. So right, they're right. spread kind of thin as is. So they're doing their best and they do take place in every single major, major battle of the story. Yeah. Um, they do participate. It's just, they can't really do it in, a showy away as right. a lot of the other characters. Right. And I kind of yeah. always understood it too as like, you know, it's not like they're just going from one place to another. They're going through, you know, from the Shire to, you know, Mount Doom is like a, an expansive, huge amount of distance and it's incredibly Fucking treacherous. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I feel like they would have either been shot down or caught by, you know, ring race or, or something, something. Yeah. 
we we can't forget that there's you know there's the Nazgul and they're flying around fucking shit up. So I mean, the Eagles are always at risk as well as is any ally of the Fellowship and any enemy of Sauron. So they're doing their best. <laughs> yeah, I get it though because in the movies it does seem like they just sort of sort of like show up and go, "We're here, everything's fine, and we're invincible, and goodbye." Right. It seems like why didn't you just fucking take the ring yourself and drop it into the fire? You know, like it it does seem like it would solve a lot of problems, but there, there are things in place to kind of keep that from happening. So that's a good, it's a very good question though. It's like one of my favorite things because it's also the sort of thing that like, you wouldn't really know if you hadn't been a crazy obsessive nerd like me. I'm so proud of you that you are. (laughs) <laughs> hey thanks dude we'd be nowhere without your crazy obsessive lord of the rings knowledge so thank you <laughs> <laughs> thank you you're welcome and then we have one final question yes which is kind of a fun a fun one so um my my husband actually wrote in and he said who would win in a knife fight mary or pippin <laughs> i love it so much um, let's just, let's just see if we picked the same person. I'll say three, two, one, and then say it. Okay. Mary. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> I oh, was gonna okay. Say, I was going to say Pippin anyway. So. Oh, no way. <laughs> I want you. Okay. So why, so why Mary? Tell me, tell me. They're both incredibly big and like super, super brave. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think anyone can doubt the stout hearts of either of these hobbits. Um, Mary enlists in the army of Rohan. He's an esquire to King Theoden. He stabs the Witch King in the back of his knee, which enables Eowyn to kill him. Yep. Um, so that's that's a big deal. Um, I mean, Pippin, Pippin is a soldier of Gondor, and he is the only hobbit to join the army and fight in the Battle of the Black Gate. So I don't, I don't want to disparage him at all. Um, uh, he kills a troll. That's cool. Yeah. You know. Um, when Mary and Pippin return to the Shire and Mary takes command of the Hobbit forces and kills the leader of the ruffians at the Battle of the Bywater. But I think I think the thing that really tipped it for me is that Pippin drops the stone down the well in Maria. Um, lest we forget the phrase fool of a took exists for a reason. <laughs> but but here's the thing. I agree with all of your points, but I if we're talking like a knife fight, right? We're talking a yes. knife fight. I yes. feel like the more wily and the more, you know, kind of shifty of the two of them is, is kind of Pippin more than it is Mary, if you know what I mean. I could feel that, yeah. He's he's definitely the one who gets a talking to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's kind of, and I feel like at some point Mary would, would kind of be like, all right, you know, Pip, chill, chill out. This is a game. This isn't like a real knife fight. And Pippin would be like, fuck you, I'm going to win. It's a knife fight! <laughs> So, while I think it would be a very close fight between my two good boys, I don't know. I, I, I'm putting all that money on the underdog, Pippin, because I just... Your money's on Pip? My money's nice. on Pip. He's, he's deceptively smarter than he looks, is I think what puts it over for me. Because I, I think people underestimate Pippin a lot. They do. They definitely do, for sure. Um, yeah, no, he's he's a good boy. And I I definitely see the appeal of picking him. My money's on Mary, though, stuff. <laughs> but it would, we gotta, we gotta go talk to Dominic and Billy and see if they can uh... have them actually have a knife fight. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna help us with that. our wager. <laughs> can you settle the wager, sirs? Excuse me, good sirs. 
Oh, oh yeah, that's, that's a, a fun question. That though. is a good one. I love that so much. I love the I like idea. That. I love the idea of two of them in a knife fight against each other. It's just it's so good. Bonkers. Like it would be over like a leg of lamb or like some pipe weed or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh boy, man, we could really just like talk about Lord of the Rings forever and ever and ever, forever and ever and ever. <laughs> but we can't. But we can't. We can't do that, unfortunately. But dang, this was a lot of fun to do. This was a good one. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And yeah, it's it's if if you need something a little bit to to kind of cheer you up and to keep you keep you moving and fighting, rewatch some Lord of the Rings. It'll get you in the spirit. I think. Absolutely. There's always hope. There's always hope. You know, it's like when Frodo is is you know talking to Gandalf when they're in the mines. You know, I, I wish I, I didn't have to see all this. You know, again, I was just like, so so do all who, you know, live to see such times. But it's it's not our choice to decide. It's what to do with the time that is given to us. And that's a big, that's a big Yeah, thing. that's a big mood right now. It's a very big mood right now. So do what you can. We'll do it together. Absolutely. That's all anyone can do. Just move forward every day being the best person. Exactly. Be good beans. Be good beans, and like Sean Bean. Be good beans, like Sean Bean and Mr. Bean and other beans. Other beans apply. <laughs> but yeah, so I have been Amy. And I have been Shannon. And I do have to say that just because, I mean, there's so much horse stuff involved in the Lord of the Rings, especially in the movies, I'm real surprised that the McElroys haven't talked about it more. Oh, shit, you're right. <laughs> there's so much good horse stuff. Get on we this should bring shit. The- we should bring this to their, their attention. We should bring this to their attention. Everyone at the McElroys, get them to watch The Lord of the Rings again. <laughs> There's good horse content there that they're missing out on. At McElroys, at- good horse shit. Get on it. <laughs> good horse <laughs> shit right here. <laughs> well, have a great week. See you next time, everybody. Have a good one, guys. We love you. Thanks. Love you. Bye. Bye.